0: So one of the main supports for concentration, for samadhi, and for our uh, lives in general is pleasant feeling. You know, we mostly, we we feed on feeling. It can be the, it Can be either directly derived from the senses, or something like one feels pleased with clarity or with understanding. One gets a sense of oh, it's know some kind of uplift or out of that or and the, the feeling is the, is the is the the energy that you drink in as it were. Feelings a kind of a movement of energy, uh, a radiance of energy, a glow of energy, a kind of uplift. If it's pleasant and it's, it's unpleasant it's a sinking or a tightening or a retracting. So when you, you contemplate feeling as in its energetic aspect, what, when it's something's painful, something and you retracts, tightens up and contracts, doesn't it? Pleasant tendencies to go the opposite way: something kind of melts and opens up, the energy moves, and so that's our that's our kind of a feeding system. So, most of this is hooked up to sense contact. Although, also there's um, mental feeling, uh, based upon ideas, um, flow of ideas, or you might say psychological feeling, based upon how, much esteem one has for oneself, how much esteem is granted by other people, you get a sense of pleasant feeling out of that. Yeah. So this is not directly sensory, it's a mental feeling. And um, it probably represents a huge amount of the the feeling experiences on the mental level. Am I succeeding? Am I not succeeding? Am I we doing well? And am, am I liked? we're appreciated? and I looked down upon? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, when there's not much going on the mind could be scanning for the you know, tell me how it is. And then we can pick up particular facts or statistics that that actually conclude that a life is a disaster. <laughs> Always has to be a disaster. Always will be a disaster. <laughs> Goes like that, you know. Or you could find something that makes you think, "Well, life is great. You know, it's really wonderful. in the right direction." You, the big picture arises out of out of feeling, <laughs> contact, mental impressions, feeling, you get the big picture. And. Uh, particularly when one is kind of dealing more with the mental and psychological aspects of our life then you know trying to, get, am I doing the right thing should I be uh is it good to be a nun or a monk is it Chithurst, or should I be somewhere else or um you know what should I do with my life these kinds of things I mean we're looking for the the big picture says so yeah this is it yeah, we wave the flag now, we're doing fine, right, you're in the right team, Buddhism's good, yeah, I mean, we salute it, and yeah, great. We can kind of hypnotise each other like that, A kind of mass belief. That's what fundamentalism's about, isn't it? We'll get together and sing songs and say somebody's great. <laughs> and it could be, you know, Allah, Buddha, uh, Jesus, you name it. And then you think, oh, great, I feel good, right. You know, suddenly the big picture feels nice and clear and everybody else is sharing it with you. The feeling is what's shared. And you can have the negative picture. So probably for most of us, a happy big picture is better than a miserable big picture. At least we get some sense of being able to, life's worth living. Yeah. But just to notice it can be corrupted, manipulated course um. but in meditation you can you, you can uh, generate feeling and get a big picture it's like an intern it's a picture of your like uh, you develop a realm, a realm of, of pleasant feeling It pervades the whole body. And so it's because if you do this, uh, learn how to do this consciously, then you don't need the rest of it. That's the thing, you don't need the other uh, derivatives, you don't need the other sources. So you can generate it, and you know you're doing it, so you're generating it's not a hypnosis it's a general generated thing sitting in it calm in it, and always bear in mind this is just this this is just the realm of pleasant feeling um, and one uses it to uh, steady calm the mind and contemplate feeling you know, it's a, it's a subtle Steady, kind of pleasant. It's not exuberant. It's not going out since contact. So you just contemplate feeling and how holding to feeling occurs, how identification with feeling occurs. I want to feel good. I don't want to feel bad. This is the good thing. I've got it. This is me, this is mine, more. That kind of thing goes on. You contemplate the feeling. But in meditation, if it's in, in spiritual practice, if it's generated with some sense of clarity about doing it, then you, you, you always bear in mind it is just a construction, you know, it's a, it's a condition, it's, it's constructed. uh but the f- the food of the pleasant feeling of meditation is a very fine food, very um, steady, pure um, no toxins, no additives <laughs> so it's a very fine food and it saturates the body and it saturates the heart and it causes the thinking mind to to release and relax, so it has many benefits to it. So in meditation terms, this is called piti sukha. Piti is the aspect of feeling refreshed or uplifted, um, zest. And sukha is the sense of feeling at ease, relaxed, comfortable. Mm, these are the two, two qualities. And there they are associated with whenever the mind comes out of a hindrance or being trapped, there's a moment of freshness. Mm. So, and then that that can be uh, attended to so that the more you attend to that, the less your mind attends to the hindrances and the sources of the hindrances. So attention is actually the um, that which which grows the food. It's like the 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 sun and the rain, if you like, that on the crops that cause them to grow. So when you put it, you put it in one place, it it enhances and generates and strengthens this particular experience. So if you when you think about hindrances or don't absorb into them they get bigger and more uh, elaborated they feed on attention so what's called the starving of the hindrances is through manasikara yoniso manasikara which is systematic or wise or skillful attention attention going to the to the root of things to the to the origin of things you know, so we come back from the, the, if we're caught in aversion about a particular thing, craving, greed, lust for a particular thing, worry about a particular topic. Then the manasikara process, yoni somanikara, is that well, let's just put the topic on hold and go to the energy of that hindrance. This is the, you know the of angry or irritable energy. What does it feel like? This is an energy it's driving, contracting, tight, um, surging, it's got a rough movement to it. What's the energy of greed, or lust, or passion? You can feel the energy of that. So they always got this kind of nagging and they push. But if you take take away the topics, particular you know, objects they cassette onto. It's like taking the head off the hindrance. You can, the body starts to lose its point, lose, it, lose one, one support. One support for the hindrance is, is the topic, is the object or the image it picks up. So you just don't try to not feel, you know, irritable or, or doubtful or worrying, but just, just be purely worried. <laughs> or purely angry. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not, try, not trying to say one should have, have it if you, if you don't have it. <laughs> but if it's occurring, then when you go into the. how does it feel in the body, the energy of it, the, the movements of it? This is the, the um, process of mindfulness and full awareness. So then, energy, when it doesn't have the topic, it, it's it's derived of one support, one thing that holds it. And then we, begin to work into the, uh, the energy itself. What, what you know is this something that's that's enjoyable or going anywhere or doing me any good? How does it feel in the body? Let your body feel the the or the the mind feel the drug dazedness of the hindrance. Or the body feel the kind of tightness or tension that the hindrances create, and uh, ooh, just kind of you come relax out of it or breathe out of it. Try to feel the the body, the reality of the body. Yeah. The sitting or well, the eyes open. So then you defy the hindrance of his other support, which is this compulsive. Um, Energy, you know. Yeah. So when that energy is no longer something that you actually, you don't want the food for that. It's like you know, you don't want the gin or the vodka. It's just too rough. You'd sooner drink, you know, some herbal tea or some water. It just feels too fiery. So something you just, like, oh, I don't even like this stuff. You just put it down. But it's not a, out of. Uh, it's just the sense of that um, just get really tasting tasting you know what, what the toxin of it and then there's something like ugh. <coughs> the buddhas once said it's rather like a a handsome man or a beautiful woman walking around with a, a carcass hanging around their neck like a dead dog or a dead snake or something once you look at it you think, what are we carrying this thing for you know you take it off. Whereas the um when you when you have a topic, the problem is it so often becomes a little bit of story. She did this, he did that, and he never says this, and he always says that, does that. <laughs> or should I do this? Or maybe it's that, or I could go here and he, but he's like this or something like that. You your topic it's got a bit of a story in it, when you're involved with it. So that sense of involvement then in, then in result you feel you are the hindrance, you know. It's not something that you're wearing around your neck. It's it's it is you. It's your skin. It's your bones. You are, you know, Miss Hindrance, two thousand and five, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so to be able to see it in a kind of in this uh, take the topic away. The, the person, personality, is not. Given so much room to develop a history around it. I only recognise these are basically energies that we all experience. You know, our systems are, are, are primed to seek to move out. They can acquire some more, more of the good stuff. We're hunter-gatherers. And then, um, you know, look around sure where's the good stuff. Uh, so we get the doubt, restlessness, uh, greed, and then I'm not getting enough of the good stuff. There's irritation. So it's very basic um, sense energy. That's the way it's conditioned. And it's not, you don't change those habits, but you you can transmute uh, from hindrance into um, uh, enlightenment factors. It's nice to know, isn't it, actually, because you've got plenty of hindrances, so you could have quite a lot of enlightenment factor (laughs) if you turned turn it around the other way. (laughs) But when you look at energy, it's not good or bad or too much or too little. It's just, we call it that when we we can't handle it. We can't handle it, or then it's too little because I can't get enough or it's too much or it's... Bad or right or wrong, because we can't can't find a way to to um, handle it, channel it, meet it, unpack it. You know, direct, uh, actually turn it into food, cultivate it. So this is why in meditation it is one of the skills is to is to handle energy, is to translate hindrances into energies, and then from energies you can. Uh, turn it around you can calm you can steady and um, this is through the work of the mind and the body so the recommendation is that one develops the mind, one develops the body and I think in the Sutta, one of the phrases that comes up, one learns how to fashion pleasant feeling. One learns, one seeks or knows how to derive, fashion one's own feeling. Well, <clears throat> oh, the... Um, Mindfulness and Full Awareness, Sati, Sampajanya, these two uh, are instrumental. Sati is, mindfulness is the pointing of the attention in the present moment. So it's different from Manasikara. Manasikara actually deliberates and considers and investigates and kind of strips things down to the core. Mindfulness is much, in some ways much simpler than that. It just points. Um, It's like something that's very objective. It's just the pointing of the mind. When there's no mindfulness, uh, then... um, mental activity is pretty random Uh, and uh, just kind of there's no mindfulness then it's pretty chaotic but we always have some degree of mindfulness it's one of the universal factors of mind but when it's weak then the mental objects tend to be driven by sense contact or by conditioning habits we do things or kind of an automatic, or we're just moved around by things. We get, it's a kind of passive, actually. You know, being a passenger and somebody else is driving. Mindfulness, you get, you actually get in the driver's seat. And uh, the only place you're, with mindfulness, essentially you're going to the present moment, present moment, present moment, present moment. You know, whereas the random stuff tends to take one off into the future, we could get this, we could not get You know, the past, other people, things. You know, it spins us out into a realm of of possibles and abstractions. Yeah. Mindfulness, you're just coming down to the present moment. If you so, the present moment, you might know my mind is. This is the state of worry or doubt or scatteredness. So you see, even when your mind is scattered, you can start with mindfulness. This is the scattered mind. It feels like this, uh-huh. and then point. Well, had you know, uh, who's who's experiencing this? Where is this happening? Uh, so that's a pointing, isn't it? What is it that knows my mind is scattered? So this is a kind of. Um, it's a Zen koan, you know. <laughs> who is it, who is, what is it that's aware of unawareness? So you, you can just point like that. And then primarily as a, as a guided meditation then we might point to the bodily experience or the breathing experience in the present moment might use an idea to sustain that, which is mm, chest, arm, so you you kind of tag, give it a tag and you just bring up, your mind is weak, mindfulness is weak, you bring up a tag word like breathing in, and then, which is bring up that word idea your mind tends to go to, what What? was that? So you point it to there. But essentially it's the application of, of, of attention into the present moment. The other aspect, sampajanya, there is more this receptive. Take drinking something in. How is this? How is this? What's the fullness of this? What's the effect of this? We might, with Sampajanya, full awareness, we notice things move and rise and change and pass. With Sampajanya, with full awareness, we notice, uh, um, oh, my mind has, has wandered off now. There's no mindfulness present. Shape up, shape up, sharpen up. So Sampajanya is the full awareness, both of the process of mindfulness, And the object, what the object does, what it feels like, it's a very, it's a receptive scanner. And mindfulness holds, keeps tagging and holding, so it provides the axle. And full awareness is like the wheel spinning around the axle, just or like something orbiting around, just feeling out things that relate to that particular axis. This is body. And what is it like? It's a sort of sense of taking in the wholeness of it. <clears> Those <throat> are important um, as basis. Uh, because this is where you, you, you begin to um, find your energy. Instead of running out with, my, with my mindfulness, it's the energy is not running out. You're actually holding it, keep pulling it back. Pulling it back, holding it in one particular place. Yeah. So that's the first thing that, that captures the the energy. Yeah. So. And full awareness is that which moderates that. This is too. This is forceful. This is driving. This is sluggish. Uh, and then that responses can start to happen so you begin to handle gather together and handle it, the energy just like you're picking something up in your hand and then rubbing it through your fingers this is too rough this is too coarse this feels fine this feels soft rather like that mm-hmm. or I've dropped the thread altogether pick it up pick it up pick it up and it's in, you're trying to find a, a focus that is comfortable with mindfulness. So, you know, it doesn't have to be that tight or that, you know, the, the size of it or what you focus on is really that which you, you, you can point to, that which you feel you can comfortably maintain in order to bring in around the work of full awareness. So if it's too tight then it's rather like you're holding, holding things so tight you can't sample it, you can't run it through your fingers, you can't, it doesn't flow anymore. It's just like you've locked on it. It's like taking a spoonful of food and biting the spoon <laughs> and holding the spoon in your teeth. It's too tight, you don't actually get the taste of it. But at the same time, if it's just um, no, no spoon at all, <laughs> And then you don't get a taste of it either, so you need, need some sense of focus. Mindfulness, mm. these are objective. They're just sensing how it is. Not good or bad. And what this brings around is we begin to meet our selves loosely speaking, we meet our minds, we meet our bodies, we meet our energies, we meet our patterns, our worry patterns, our doubt patterns, our craving patterns. And we meet them at a a meeting place that's just focused and aware. It's not um, making anything more of that. So it doesn't translate it into a person. It doesn't favour or oppose the stress in favouring and opposing. But by itself, because it doesn't favour, it doesn't um, enhance in that in that way. It's, there's no bias towards. So it allows things to, to settle by themselves, sort themselves out. And we find that With that there is a, the unwholesome doesn't have the sustaining power of the wholesome. Wholesome is a kind of nourishing, um, when you feel fully present. Learning to meet something. When you meet something, there's a sense, actually, of uh, sharing in it, participating in it, doing it in a, in a subtle way. So the uh, results of mindfulness and full awareness are that you—it begins to cause a kind of filtering out. Because if you've taken away the the, the future and the past, yeah, then you know. Hindrances can only really get going in terms of those. You can only have a hindrance associated with something that has happened or something that, that will happen or would result in this. You know, if it's a greed hindrance, if I could get that, I would be. It's got to have a future sense to it. So you cut off the future and the past, the object dies away and you've just got that, that energy. And um, then it, it can be settled by attuning that to, to breathing, to the body breathing through the disquiet, or the turbulence, or the congestion, or the staleness. This is, I think, where mindfulness of breathing is, is such a useful practice, because you can ventilate stuff, um, you don't have to have it all clear, you know, you can actually use the, the body and the breathing and the rhythms of that to to smooth out, to ventilate, to dispel, to clear, to brighten. And it's as if the body energy does it by itself, as long as you sustain that, the right posture. It just clears things out. It's not a psychological uh, facelift. You don't go in there with a scalpel or cosmetics to deal with it. You just leave it in the body, and the body processes and blows it away, finishes with it. So if you can do that, just translating them these psychological um, or, or emotional um, tangles into into energy, then your body can deal with it. That's what you can do in mindfulness of breathing. There may be other things you want to do in your life apart from breathing and breathe out, but <laughs> but this is this is this particular approach, and it's a kind of very core approach, you might say. So then one is left with a a sort of much steadier uh, and um, settled energetic basis. Uh, And this is where the mind begins to unify around um, what's called the kaya sankara, breathing in and out, the energy with that, and then meeting that, meeting that. You can't really... um, This is where knowing... Knowing and awareness, again, get, you can be slightly um, off because knowing always gives you the impression you sort of stand back and get an idea of it. Whereas when you, with, with meditation, you begin to meet things. The knowing is a kind of Gnostic knowing where it's a, meet, it's a knowing through meeting. You just feel yourself into something. So you know it like a fish knows water. You know it from the pressure, the release, the happiness. You just know it in a very basic way. So it's that kind of knowing. It's Pajanati. Pajanati is directly synonymous with some Pajana. It's the same basic root. So it's the same quality, full awareness. And so it's rather like you're meeting into something. And this is both the delight and the ease and the uncertainty of the practice. Because um, there are considerable um, difficulties that all of us experience around meeting anything. Yeah. There's a certain sense of, you know, we look, look at it very, very obviously in an external uh, context. To meet something, well, it might do me some harm. So we can be a bit reserved about how we meet things. Or uh, we meet things in order to control them, you know, to make sure it's going to be okay. Or we meet something in order to get hold of it and and ingest it, take it in, you know, grab. So you get these kind of um, uh, patterns of either grabbing and seeking to hold and contain and get more of, or... Well, I don't want to really go into that because it might not be, you know, it's like the swimming pool. <laughs> Is it going to be cold, wet in there? <laughs> you sort of stick your toe and you hover around, but you never quite get in because it. Yeah. So this could be this could be running for us. Uh, we might say, sort of thing that gets played out every day in how we meet other people. You know, how do we how do we negotiate that sense? These kind of a few little signals, and you gradually you know, feel your way towards each other. What's comfortable, and then a little bit touch, and a no, little will back off. Wait a minute! <laughs> yeah, it's quite a tentative business. Unless you just blunder in, you know, crash through, but to actually meet, rather than to take control of you know, impose, grab, uh, you know, be defended against. It's quite a subtle process. <laughs> and so I imagine that most of us have got that kind of way in which we, we come to experience, you know, tentative or, or um, a bit naive or wide open or manipulative or something like wanting to make sure it's okay, frightened, nervous, controlling... Um, so this is way one, you recognise certain energies become an identity pattern. How you know yourself is <clears throat> primarily <clears throat> it's an energetic blueprint. You know your body shifts and changes when you can't see the thing. You still know, oh, this is me. How do you know it's a me? Because you've got a certain sense of this particular. Pressures and flushes and flows oh that's 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 the me bit that's the body bit, yeah certain mental or won't say emotional psychological habits feel like me so when they when they're not so I don't feel like me today I feel really strange you know it must be something i don't I don't feel like me anymore, I don't feel quite myself. What are you talking about? <laughs> How can you not feel yourself? Because your energy pattern has been shifted by sickness or distress you know i'm I'm shocked so I don't feel quite myself it, so yourself is really a habitual energy pattern you've become familiar with, and when that's habituated around um things like what I can hold on to and my these patterns these uh, patterns of of uh um, acquisition, or of um, defence, or withdrawal, or nervousness, or overbearing, whatever it is, yeah. Then um, coming out of that is like coming out of your, coming out of yourself. You're coming out of your old pattern. You're coming out of yourself, and this is where it gets kind of. You know, f- f- quite difficult because yeah, there has to be enough confidence to come out of yourself, doesn't there? A feeling of I don't have to be myself in order to be here. I'm safe. I don't have to have my normal strategies, my my you know my, around me to uh, some sense of trust, faith, confidence and uh, the ability to have this objective kind of holding which is what mindfulness and full awareness do, so, you know so the holding of the energy is not done through the referring it to a habitual pattern of what's familiar or what's me or even what's comfortable you know, or what I'm used to or what I'm getting out of this but it's referred to Mindfulness and full awareness. So that's the only way you can really come out of that self pattern by by having the coherence held through mindfulness and full awareness, rather than through some ego structure, through some you know self quality. And that, that movement is, is um, you know it's 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 subtle but it's profound, and it can be quite a, a, a tricky thing you know, if you're nervous. Um, we feel um, strangely un- ill at ease. You get almost like reflexes of going into samadhi, then coming out of it because it, you don't feel so comfortable anymore. Or you get a bit of the pleasant feeling, and then your 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 me patterns come. Like, oh, good! I'm really getting there. This is it. And oh, it's gone. What happened? <laughs> you know the the. the you try to colonize it. The me, the ego patterns try to colonize that particular set of feeling which is actually derived from the qualities of mindfulness and full awareness. And you, you can't have it. Hmm. What can happen over time is you create a new ego structure based on mindfulness and full awareness. Like, Ah, oh, this is me, the sage, or this is me, the meditator, you know <laughs> so you kind of <laughs> you colonize it in a different way um, and that's a, that's a that's a difficulty of meditation, where people get a bit deluded in, in claiming it as some sort of self thing so but the quality of mindfulness is always to keep it present, present moment it's not historical. Um, learn to lose it learn to lose it skillfully so you know don't get take, take yourself seriously in that sense you know I'm really super mindful full aware of being being mindful here I'm being mindful doing my mindful thing you know and then you actually um, you know it's, you're actually starting to colonise the quality of mindfulness and acquire it just to, to be mindful, is very pure, It's just objective pointing yeah. and we can choose it in our bodies and then we go around the day doing what we do, giving attention to the point, feeling in, how is this? And then the two begin to to navigate to negotiate right? full awareness. This feels like this. Maybe I should point just a bit more this way or tighten up, or I think I'm losing it here. I a bit more energy there to tight to close attention there, or I seem to be getting a bit too rigid, perhaps to open the focus a little more, or contemplate what the rigidity is about, what the holding's on about. So you get this kind of subtle dialogue between the two. <coughs> so that can happen internally. And the dialogue is because it's it is tricky to to really come to an objective focus. So the rigidities that occur when there's something in me wants me to have that mindfulness for me, so I'm okay. I can't, you know, I, I start to strategize mindfulness. There's there's the rigidity of it. Hmm. This is why, you know, we can be, feel we're doing pretty good on a retreat, and retreat situation, being really mindful, and go out and then blow it in the kitchen. Because what's happened, we've begun to actually, um, not deliberately, but, but strategize mindfulness around a particular set of themes. So that's me being mindful. And now you go out and suddenly the situation's very different. You can't do the same strategies. You can't run the same themes on it so then it feels kind of ill at ease and then quite profoundly irritated because you know I had this thing together and now I've lost it so losing it is 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 uh, part of the process I mean there's if you like the obvious meaning of losing it is knowing when you when you've lost it and what happened and how to sort of Bring the mindfulness back. So it's rather like, um, I think Ajahn gave a really nice image of learning how to fall, you know. So if you're, if you're an acrobat or something, you learn how to, tatter, how to, or a wrestler, you learn how to fall without hurting yourself. You know, here we go, slipped, right. You curl up, you go down for eight, and you bounce back again. And you know how to, how to do a fall. Whereas if you don't know how to fall, you just kind of splatter and break something. So knowing how to fall is this is uh-huh this is ill will or this is, this is craving. Where is it? Now it's here and what's happening in my shoulders, my neck, eyes and okay come back again right So you, you come back on an energetic level through the body and you begin to uh, really fully understand. The process is one of, of um, letting these energies carefully be cold nursed and, and grown around into what's skillful. Yeah. So it's a learning process. You feel out the unskillful. Oh. And then how to come out of that rather than jump in with a self this way should be this way should be that way which means you, something you're trying to make a self mindful or a mindful self and it's and the drawbacks with that so there's a certain innocence to this process certain kind of faith trust um, in the mistakes and the successes and not hanging on so you the more you come into the present, the more you just keep it light. Keep it light, keep it light, keep it light. So you're learning how to meet experience uh, and what constitutes getting it wrong. And then what so getting it right is something you take lightly. Not trivial, but I mean you you hold it in a light, spacious way. Um now, when you're doing this to your own your own bodily sense, then the the quality of meeting energy in your in a bodily sense brings around a kind of radiance because you know you're not forcing it. Yeah. If the if the energy is not hindered and cramped and driven, ragged, scattered, it becomes quite um soft and malleable. If you're meeting it and you're not forcing it, and you're not doubting it, and you're not trying to make it anything. There's a, a beauty about that meeting, certainly, it means the energy can just start to express itself. And uh, sharing it through the whole body, sharing it through the whole body, so fully aware of the whole body. Have the fingertips, soles of the feet, face, chest. So you let the whole body take that in. In terms of um, uh, sort of markers that you can find in, in meditation so energetic markers then obvious places would be the, the um, under arch of the foot so each foot the foot the sole foot not the pads but the bit you don't tread on so you just trying to feel your way down to that just feel those places the palms the hands these two these places are places which are quite tingling and they're, they're energetic centers so you, You can actually just be breathing and then bring to mind the soles of the feet and your energy will travel that way or bring to mind the palms of the hands, your energy will travel that way. So you start building up particular uh, roots, uh, conduits, channels, the eyes, temples, forehead, center of the chest and just below the navel but it's, it's important not to just, just to you know, strengthen these particular places but just to use these as ways of, of um, signs that you can move, let your energy move towards and it, it, you don't push it it's just when you're breathing in and out you try to feel where's the center of the chest now what does it feel like and then where attention is energy goes so in this way we can um, use the process of, of mindfulness and full awareness it actually contains energy, points it holds it until, to the present moment opens it up, feels it meets it negotiates with it, purifies it, spreads it and enjoys it. Uh, And with this then the mind settles or comes into that. This is the the non-sensory feeling it's not exactly mental feeling, it's meditative feeling. It's the fine, the fine food.